When you stop expecting anything back, mm. when it does come back, mm. because you no longer expect it, it means more. Grownish, smartish, British. We are British, apparently. Uh-huh. So, Omar? Yeah. You're in London. You're never ever in London. Never. <laughs> when was the last time were you in London? Um, I was doing my license with UEFA and I had to stop off for a couple of days from Wales. When was that? August. That was only a few days though. Okay. okay. But that was the first time in three years. Mad. I feel honoured that you're here. I, I'm I'm really, really grateful you, you, you had me on. Yeah, and so yeah, last yeah. minute, you're just like, yeah, I'm in London for four days. I'm like, ah! Yeah, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, which day can I fit you in? <laughs> uh, no, because I, I genuinely do watch your stuff from over there. That's amazing. No, I really, really do. And the title and what you stand for and the whole pod for me is where I grew up. So that's why it makes more more sense. So I love that part. So that you had me sold before I started watching the content. That's it. And Yay. obviously, yeah, so that was, that's, that's how I saw it. And you're all the way in UAE watching my stuff. Yeah. That's it. So for those who don't know, because we obviously didn't do the intro, we've got Omar Dori in the building. <laughs> and I'm excited because you're actually an old school friend. Yes. Like we go way, 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 way back. <laughs> and <laughs> mashallah, I've watched your, your journey and your success. And it's just been like, we're watching each other from across the seas. Yeah. So I tune into your life sometimes and I'm just like, ah. So you're a um, radio host. You're a football coach. You're an author. Quick promo. <laughs> We're gonna get onto that. Um, you're a husband, you're a son. Yeah. Um, and you're an ambassador for fitness and health. So where, what's predominant for you when, you when it comes to all those titles? I think first, son, husband, then we go into the other things. Everything else is, is a product of your society. So how you grow up, where you grow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you start off with the first person you see until until you get to that point where you're trying to you then become their guardian almost. Yes, that's that's how it works. Yeah. When they if they if they let you. <laughs> the There's stubbornness. Ways. The yeah, stubbornness. Th- that's absolutely it. It's a stubbornness, right? So so that that's the first thing. And then after that, my love for football, sports, fitness, everything comes around that. But yeah, it started yeah. from Young, young, young. Yeah. Yeah, I remember like so I I remember us like school bus days. <laughs> you know what I was thinking of the school bus days. <laughs> like I remember I was like we went to an Arab Islamic school for yeah. eleven oh I went for eleven years. How many years did you go for? I went from nursery to to eleven and then I went back to teach there. That's amazing. Mm. You must have seen it Surreal. from a different lens. But for probably like a good four years or five years we were catching school bus together. Yeah. And then eventually when we I moved to Fulham, yep. I found out that you you lived in Wimbledon side. Yes. And we used to catch a train together. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's just like, it was weird because a girls school and a boys school, and those are the only times we got to speak was yeah. like on the school bus. That's it. And then on the school journey. What's wrong? Everything good? <laughs> don't, don't pull them faces. <laughs> sir, sir. You gotta bring him in on the conversation. Have a seat, man. <laughs> nah, nah, it looked like there was a little technical issue. Uh, I'm like, ah, because we, we, we've been there before, but it's not right. his fault. It's not Aladdin's fault, guys. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's been amazing to see us both, I guess, evolve yeah. into who we are today. Yeah. Um, I always start each episode with a quote and you gave me a few quotes. 
Yeah. The one I want to use, I don't know if you know it off by heart, but people will forget what you said one. Do you remember it off by heart? Um, or shall I read it? Read that. I know it's people forget how you said, but they don't forget how they make you feel, but it's, it's got yeah. more into it. So I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you, you made them feel. Yeah. Um, why is this in particular a quote that means? I think as we we strive to kind of find our purpose and what we do. And I think when you're involved in like a well-being, health, fitness, you keep giving. Mm. And at some point when you start to get start to get used to results and getting people there, you don't expect anything back, but people never forget how you make them feel. Yeah. And I think that's something that's even more evident post-COVID, post what you've been through, post family, friends, work. One person might say something and they'll go, I'll never, I'll never forget how you made me feel when you said or when you did. Or it could be something so simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it drives from that conversation. And do you find that when people do say that to you, you're like, rah, like I didn't realise it actually impacted you in that way. Yeah, because when you stop expecting anything back, mm. when it does come back, mm. because you no longer expect it, it means more. When 100%. you used to expect it, you're kind of waiting. Yeah, it's just like, when you're ready, you're <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, they, and you want them to fill the gap and then they don't and then you just get a bit of disappointment. But when you when you genuinely let go yeah. and accept that, then it, it means more. But I think also it means that they've reached a level of wisdom and growth for them to even appreciate what you did for them back then and how yeah. it's now impacted them. And upon reflection, they're very grateful for that situation and that scenario, Yeah, which I think is, is pretty impressive. Yeah, it, it's impressive because I think... We all we all have our journeys. We'll, we all go through things, but I think we also develop emotional intelligence. Mm. And at that point, past your psyche, past your physical, past all these things, that comes through experience. You can't learn that in a book. Yeah. And then when you yeah. start to develop that through your own experiences, you then start to be grateful for the the smaller things or the things that don't come by every single day. Not hundred percent. It's very humbling. Um, so my quote is time waits for nothing and everything's going to take its time and that's from it's actually a music soul child lyric like um that. i'm a big music soul child fan if you don't know who he is you're too young stop watching <laughs> um, <laughs> but the concept is we're, we're constantly trying to rush through everything and we want things to happen right now mm. but we don't also want to accept and embrace the beauty of that everything does take its time and nothing is just going to land when you expect it and we're just so eager for results and actually we have to just pace ourselves and accept the process with it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, don't take too long trying to do things because before you know it, you're like, if, whether it's like you want to do something in life and you're trying to like procrastinate, just remember like time waits for nothing. So like you need to just take this opportunity and just, I guess, let go of your fears and your self doubt and just allow yourself to be that version of yourself because before you know it, you're going to be like, yeah, I should have done this five years ago. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, do you ever look at yourself, look back at yourself and think, I wish I, I wish I did this better? Yeah, all the time. Really? I yeah, I think there's just many, many things. I think from from leaving London when I did to like six months later, wanting to come back and saying, oh, I just made a mistake. Seriously? Like, massively, like big regrets and thinking maybe I shouldn't have done this because I should have gone to Dubai earlier mm. i should have gone in 2000 i didn't go because of my mom i should have gone 2004 i didn't go because i wasn't sure they tried to recruit me 2006 and i was like oh, i don't know then they sold me the dream and then it wasn't the dream 
was, was the recruitment is this on the football side or radio or? no this was on um this at that point it was in health and fitness okay so nice. they were looking at master trainers to come out and train the trainers before it was something big out in the uae because mm-hmm. they, they were still kind of developing and so they sold it to me and then when i got there i was like this if i didn't have a leaving do <laughs> you would have just slipped back to your desk. I would have gone straight back home and no shame. Yeah, but I just, yeah, yeah. At that it's point, your ego's in the way and you're like, I can't go back now. I can't. Everyone's like high-fiving you like you've made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're moving out. I haven't it's done anything. Ends. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done anything. I got there and I was like, oh, I made a mistake. Yeah. And but did you, feel, like, did you feel like you had to show face and act like you've, you've made it or like, you know, yeah. make it look like it's going well? It, more than you've made it, you're surviving. Because that, because when you do leave the UK and you're born and raised here, and it is you, and then you go to the UAE before it is now the UAE, we're talking ages ago. When did you move? Two thousand and eight. Okay. So that so was recession time. Okay. And wow. I had no idea what even the recession was. Yeah, yeah, it's so the word I, that we heard. I, yeah, <laughs> it was trending on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, so I just gone, yeah. and it was something that I'd, I'd already delayed, and then I thought, right, this is this is the time I need to. We'll try and explore this because I had a I had a two year plan out there, but it wasn't in the job that I was at. Mm-mm-mm. So, but I didn't know I was gonna go on the roller coaster that I did in in the two years prior to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, but the, the leaving do with that was the ultimate. That was the one <laughs> I couldn't. All my friends are like, "Oh, he's got he's going. We all have to get together. We're gonna have one last, you know, gathering and everything." And then, and I'm like, "No, I can't go back now." But you know what? As much as you're saying, oh, I should have, should have, but look, look where you are today. So you had to go through every single part of those journeys and go through the, oh snap, I didn't expect this, to, I guess, push yourself to who you are today and what you've evolved into. So I guess it's, there is no regret in that sense because you are now shaped into the man you are based on whether it's an L, whether it's a, um, an unexpected thing. I guess it, I guess you, you went on the high and you were humbled very quickly. But you have yeah. to be humbled in order for you to pick up. And I always say, like, in order for you to succeed, you have to fail at something or you have to um, go through hardship in order to appreciate success or in, the, or in order for you to, like, push yourself into further growth. So I feel like that's what kind of happened for you. You know what? As 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 nice as that is to, <laughs> to hear and, and coming from you as well, because you well, obviously we grew up here mm. in the, together. Um, it was not that picture. And it was like, and then as soon as I got there, um, all the boys here were like, "Yo, so what is it like? So what is it like?" Yeah, and yeah, when yeah. you and when you when you go somewhere on holiday versus when you go live somewhere already different, different, hundred percent. Family that I was there left. That's another thing. Um, visa took sixteen months to process. Mm. So you're doing visa runs. So that means you have to exit the country and come back in every month for sixteen months. That's a lot of laps. That's a lot of laps, and and you're, and I'm not driving. Mm. At that po- at that point, I'm not driving. I don't have a bank account. <laughs> I, 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 my uncle was thinking because I I stayed with my uncle for the first six months because mm. he's like stay with us and everything. My uncle was thinking you're out from five in the morning until seven p.m. Mm. What are you doing? Who are your friends? Where are you going out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who yeah. is she? <laughs> like all these questions, and yeah. I'm like, honestly, there's no time for anything but work. Yeah, because yeah. they they sold me the dream, and there was no dream. It was like a picture that wasn't really there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, so from that point, yeah, because obviously the reason why I'm, why I said what I said is because it's upon reflection, not yeah. as in in that time you're going, well, I must fail in order yeah. to succeed. Or yeah. no, it's just one of those like 
moments where you kind of think, okay, would I have been the same person I am today had I not experienced this? Had I not had to pull myself out this this hole, whatever. Yeah. So when you got to that moment and you realized, okay, whoa, this isn't what I thought it was. What kind of kept you motivated besides the fact that you had a leaving party? <laughs> yeah, besides the leaving party, just my mum. Okay. I think it's just my mum. At that point, it was just that's that's the priority. Mm. The plan is eventually to get her retired, to come out and move with us out there. And uh, was that a lot of pressure on yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think from the age of like fifteen, sixteen, when you when you become the man of the house straight away, you're thinking, okay. Was when it you, just you and mum growing up? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, so um, for me, that's that that's already where she's done everything she can to pro- to provide me by going to the school and, and everything like that some people don't even have the opportunity mm. it's it's my it's my turn now to say you know thank you for that but then like you said i can't go back now i've, I've the hard part's saying bye or mm. i'll see you later and for me it was like i want to see her sooner than later yeah, yeah you yeah, know how yeah, you yeah. talked about time earlier yeah 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 we can't time is valuable we can't yeah we yeah. can't erase that so so um for me it was like if i go back now that's that's her open arms, but that's also like, yeah, you should have stayed here. I don't think your mum would ever say that, but that's what you would feel about yourself. Yeah, yeah. I think especially as men, like, there's this level of pressure that you apply on yourself mm. of expecting to be a certain standard, a certain caliber, especially when you've been raised by a strong woman by herself. Yeah, you're just like, well, I need to be that and stronger. Yeah, I need to be that and more successful because if she's been able to do this, then as a man, I got to be ten times stronger because. It's just the default setting of a man or expectation of a man, which isn't necessarily 100% fair, but it's the social pressures and it is what it is. Yeah, and, and how we grew up, where we grew up, um, what our background is, what our culture says, what our religion, or everything, everything, all of that just piles up and then you, you build up your own perception of what you need to do. And, and for me to come back at that point just wasn't an option. Mm. So we mentioned mum. How was it growing up with mum? Like just you guys in the house? Oh, amazing. Yeah? Yeah, amazing. That's amazing. Good. You know, um, my dad's a genius. Mm. So I just got to put that out there. Um, the best at what he does. Yeah. But that took his life. Um, that took over his life. Okay. So as a doctor, again, the only reason why I did sports science and anything sciencey with sports was because I was pressure just to stick to education rather than than play sport so not so he never watched me play he never encouraged me to play because he dealt with people that got injured Mm. overnight and they were earning millions but then all of a sudden they got no no money and their career's over so his lesson Mm. being Iraqi his lesson was like nope education so once that that side was out of my life and I thought okay I'm still doing the education I'm still working I didn't really have like much of a uni life because I was, I went back to teaching the school that we grew up in. Yeah, yeah. I went to uni in the morning and I PT'd at night. Wow. So that's while I was here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was always like, so it was always like, right, what's the priorities? Even if the boys went out or whatever, if I went out with them on the odd occasion, I still be reporting to work in the morning. Mm, there is no days off. For nah, you. Yeah, nah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. so it was, it was very different, a different psyche, but. Um, so I you're, so you're yeah. basically you're saying your dad's a genius. Um, when did you guys split ways? How old were you? Uh, I think it was sixteen. So he was basically in your life a, a predominant part of your childhood. And yes and no. I think when you're a doctor and when you're on call and when you're dealing with patients the way he was, and, mm. and so he's he was always he was always away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was always at the hospital, so hardly saw him in that sense. But 
um, I'm grateful for the lessons he's taught me as well because there's some things that he taught me that my mum couldn't. Yeah, because that, that was that I was going to ask you, like, obviously you being with mum all the time, how do you find, like, because as a mother, like, I was a single mother for a while and it's just like, it's a lot of, like, you have to just constantly be strong and trying to raise your child and compensate for both parents. Mm. Um, but then there's certain things and certain wisdom that you can only really get from a man. Like, mm. whether we like it or not, there is certain things that will only land from a man. I don't know why someone is calling me right now. I'm so sorry. Do you want to get it? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> it's an international call as well. I'll be like, yes, uncle. <laughs> um, and, you know, as much as sometimes when I hear comments about, oh, single mothers can't do this and they can't raise a man and they can't do, like, I appreciate, like, sometimes it's a bit outlandish how they drop it, but there is some truth in it, which is, you know, it, which is why I had my son surrounded by loads of other men, like uncles and cousins mm. and, you know, now my husband and it's like positive male role models. Yeah. Despite your dad being busy, do you feel like he's dropped enough gems in you and certain foundations that you felt like he compensated? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, fam the family from my dad's side um, are very strong on education mm. and very strong on principles and discipline. So that was something that he instilled Genetically, what I picked up was his work ethic. Okay, but I found that out later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, through like the names when I was when I was in in our school when we were growing up, anyone that was Iraqi would ask me, "Oh, was your grandfather so and so?" And mm. then you go, "Yeah," and then he, they'd come and shake my hand, and I wouldn't understand it. Mm. And I and I and I didn't get it, and I'd come back home and I'd say, "Why why are these teachers from our country shaking my hand?" Oh, because your grandfather did a lot for the country, so okay, cool. Okay. But a surname has two sides. A surname has the grandfather's side and then the second man, the Saddam side, who scares a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, folks on this so, side, so, this yeah. side. So, so that's why when they say, who you related to? I said, well, obviously I'm I'm related to that one. And they're, oh, okay, fine, and then they shake your hand. But I didn't know any of that until- Because it's politics, until it's, yeah, it's, exactly. it's heavy politics. Yeah, and I stayed away from politics growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, um, my, my family was trying to protect me from that. I was going to say, did your mum and dad try and shelter you from it? Yeah, yeah. They said, um, never get into it because it's like a limousine on the outside is shiny and inside there's always something you don't know. Mm. And I thought, all right, I'm not going to even bother. And I, and that's exactly yeah, what yeah, I, yeah. till now, I couldn't tell, half the stuff I was like, oh, I, I'm learning about that because I don't know anything about it. Mm -mm -mm. But um, but yeah, from, from, from him not being there, it was the best lesson I could have learned. Okay. The best lesson because I had to learn things on the go, I had to pick up things that normally, in a normal scenario, this is how you do this. This is and it's, it's part of my it's coaching. It's fed, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's part of my coaching. Obviously, you have the humanitarian side and you have the authoritarian side. The humanitarian side puts arms around you and tells you it's going to be all right. This is yeah. listen. Get your thing together and let's go. There's two different styles, and that was something that he did really well. Good. And in a, in a very assertive way, where I was like, okay. I, I but you respected that. it as opposed yes. to try to be a rebel because some of us yes. when we get that authority we're just like yeah. oh screw you dad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do what I want to do I'll explain how I used to like fake pray when like we my parents did. used to force me to I'd yeah, be like we well did. I'm not gonna do it it's just like but there's wisdom like just, just pay attention damn yeah. it so yeah. I respect the fact that you were able to like appreciate your dad's like lessons and journey and yeah. his approach to life hey, how do you describe your mom in three words It's a hard one. 
You can say sent three sentences <laughs> if it helps. Unreal. Mm. Can't be copied. And just a blessing. That's amazing. I can see your bond with her. It's a very, very, from young, I saw it in like little glimpses. I never saw your mum often. Mm. Um, and I saw recently she was on your radio show. Yeah. She's she, such she, a G. She had no idea. Oh, really? She had no idea. She, she felt like she was part of like, I felt like she was part of the furniture. She was yeah. comfortable. Oh, uh, she took over. Yeah, yeah. I think nice. that was the most viewed from all the shows I've done. And I've, I'm, next week will be 500. And, she, and her, that one episode got people relating to their mums through that show and we were going to a wedding and we live on one side of the uae and the wedding was on the other and i said mum you've been invited she's like oh yeah she loves she loves the the, the bride and groom oh i'm definitely going and i said it's in Sharjah. she goes okay and i said and i still have to go to work and she was like okay and i said and you're going to be on the show and she was like what <laughs> I said, yeah, Surprise. yeah. I said, she's like, I don't know what to say. I said, mom, she tunes into every show. Mm. Even when she's here. She genuinely she listen online. She tunes into every show. She'll make her comments. She'll ask me about the guests. She'll talk to me about Arsenal. She would, she would just mention everything. She's fully invested. Oh, yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So That's so when, when she was on the show and in the car, she, after she found out that she was going to be on the show, she was like, so just prep me. Like, what are we going to do? I said, we're just going to have a conversation. It's exactly how you hear me on the radio. Yeah, yeah. You do exactly the same thing with you. And she goes, oh, so can you ask me about like Arsenal then? <laughs> and I said, yeah, we could do That's that. That's element. Said, yeah. yeah. She's I said, a real fan, isn't she? She's a real fan. Yeah, yeah, she's a real fan. Like she started talking about person, like people and characters and yeah. like how she like what, how she rates them. And I'm just like, Rom, Mumsy's proper on yeah, it. Yeah, she's on it. Yeah, she's on it. And, and the fact that you can see um, her, how genuine her passion for the game is because normally when like our parents would talk especially mums, people would be like, well, what does she know? And then when she talks, they're like, oh. They're like, oh, hold up. <laughs> she knows. She knows She knows the lineup. She knows what's happening. She tunes into every game. So so once she came on that show, they got to see a huge part of me through her. That's amazing. And it was just, it was one of the best things. And we didn't, e I can say it now, we didn't even get it approved because everything in, on, in with radio and government in the UAE has to be approved. What prior? Like, yeah, running order, um, guest approval, gate pass, and there's a police station attached to Damn. the station. Yeah, they're serious, especially in that emirate. Yeah, in that yeah, emirate, yeah. they're serious. So you can't get in mm -mm -mm -mm. without all the above. And the fact you that obviously- You just slid her in Yeah, we, we, we rode in the same car. So so the fact that she was with me, it was, um, yeah, it was amazing. And she, until this day, what I loved about that is all the comments she got that's beautiful. Yeah, she got a lot of comments and people that know of her but haven't seen her for a while, all of a sudden they see her on radio and, and it's, it and on it's YouTube. Nice, and and it's nice like, that you're also sharing your mum with the world yeah. like, in, a, in a very beautiful way because you both share the passion of football. Yeah. So you have your mum that loves football. Yeah. You love you who coaches and plays. Yeah. And you talk about it all day. Yeah. And you're married <laughs> yeah. to a football player. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> we like it a bit. <laughs> that's that's yeah. that's amazing yeah so yeah. did you guys meet um on the field uh yes we did meet on the field maria's got her nine to five okay so she does her nine to five the football thing only started happening recently 
like Amazing. on an international level. Yeah, yeah, that's mad. Uh, before that, it was just, I think in in the US, um, Division D1, I can't say soccer because it kills me, but D1 <laughs> football uh, out there is big. She mm. did D1 football and then she moved to the UAE to do her master's and she was playing in the same league I was coaching. Amazing. But because we had to share the pitches, Mm-mm. all the teams had to share the pitches when, you, when, when I coached, her team would be on the other side and my team would be on this side and, and that's how we first met. But we didn't really get to know each other for a couple of years. Okay, so you knew of each other, but that was yeah. it, like high and by. Yeah, so and, it- and I stopped coaching women's football after that. Oh, seriously? Yeah. So was it love at first header? I don't know. I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find a terminology. You know I mean, in it. No, don't, don't you dare! I, I didn't want to say like love at first kick. Was it love at first? But you thought about it though. Hundred percent. I thought that's weak. So it was like harder. <laughs> I, thought, I thought header would be harder. I let that one slide. I, not header. Hat trick. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Just okay. give me something. All right. Find a better one. Was it love at first kick? What, what no. Was... What would you say, Aladdin? Huh? Shoulder to shoulder bump. Shoulder to shoulder bump. That's a long word. That's a long way of saying it. It's a was it love at shoulder to shoulder barge? <laughs> Where is <laughs> this going? <laughs> uh, no, but I will tell you one thing. When I met her, she thought I was well. First, she thought I was crazy anyway. But when I when I when I walked past her, because um, if because when I'm coaching or when I'm in football, I don't really, I don't stray away from the game. Okay, so quite focused. Y- yeah, very. To, like to the point where she thought I was. A, bit nuts but I was walking past her and she was playing a game and I, and I said to her as I was walking past her, I said you've got a great left foot but you need to shift the ball over because you're too obvious you're going to go in the same direction if you actually check your shoulder you'll know how to and this is exactly what I said to her if you check your shoulder you know how much distance there is and you can go either way and then I walked off and she thought I was just this guy is nuts like he <laughs> didn't even say hello and it's because she was playing in the tournament that we were all in. Yeah. And she was she was a good player. So I'm not thinking that's going to be my wife. I'm thinking you're wasting your time. In my head, yeah, that, that's yeah, the way yeah. I'm like, you're wasting, you're wasting that because you're good and, and everything. And then after that, um, the community is really small. So we got, we got to kind of come across each other and she, <laughs> she said... Um, she saw our sessions going. Mm. She was watching our sessions and she thought they were quite intense. Because okay. in the women's game in the UAE at that point, it was still developing. And okay. I was a big advocate of developing women's football in the Middle East before it became big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so before I joined the UAE national team, actually the reason why I joined the UAE women's national team is because the teams I was coaching was playing against them. And we were actually winning. We have no right to win against a national team. Mm. So then they recruited me to come on board with them. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. prior to that, it was it was quite serious. So when she saw the session, she was like, it reminded her of the US standard, which is quite high out there. Um, compliments to you. Yeah, well, compliments to the the team and maybe my craziness a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's that's, that's how it started. And then after that, she she said, you know, you think I should join your team for the next season or or in the upcoming season? And I said to her, you wouldn't look good if you left your team now. Because your coach will be disappointed, your teammates be disappointed, and it looks like you're just trying to go to a winning team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it's, yeah, it's like not right. Out, yeah. yeah. So, so that's how that conversation built up, and then eventually, in the next window, um, the season was over, and some of some of the uh, girls on the team said, 
you know, who'd you, who would you think would add to the puzzle? And I said, well, Maria is one of them. And they went and spoke to her and then we recruited the season after okay, that. Okay, nice. Yeah. So it was done in a very uh, tasteful manner rather than her just going, bye guys, I'm gone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. they chose me. Yeah, it is yeah. what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Um, how was it, um, obviously trying to coach women in the UAE with, you know, the, the media stereotype of how the Arab world deals with women in general and then like women football anyway is kind of downplayed a lot mm. and dismissive but it's kind of building its credentials when you first started doing that did you feel like people didn't rate what you were doing because you, you were training women or like how hard was it for, for these women to gain that respect in the industry um i think it's because when i when i was i started coaching a university team and mm. it happened by chance um in in the uae and that's when I started to to come across the the, the female community mm. um, in 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 football, but they weren't taking it seriously. But my approach also was a bit different at the time. Was don't treat them like women. Mm. Now, that could come across as two ways. One, well, you have to obviously they are women, and then the other thing is, well, but how are you going to give them the respect if you're not? if you're patronizing or if you're condescending, mm. if you're gonna treat them like an athlete, treat them like an athlete. The athlete has no gender. So treat them as if they are aspiring athletes. You, you have to be harsh sometimes, yeah, yeah. but they will improve. There is development, there is talent there. Mm. Maybe you have to repeat things a couple more times in terms of pattern play or certain things that they might not watch. Because again, at that time, mm. they weren't watching as much. Okay. So okay. then you have to also factor that. So, so if, for boys, they're watching football, they're playing computer, they're doing all these, they're always watching, but with girls, you can't expect them to always do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless, unless, that you grew up as a, unless you grew up as a tomboy, like fully one yeah. of the boys. Yeah, or you've, you've got your siblings and they're there and you're yeah. watching it as a family, then fair enough, but not everyone's going to do that. So if not everyone's on the same page, that requires more repetition. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. for me, that's the way I saw it. And it, it didn't, it wasn't for everyone yeah. at that time. And funny enough, with that university, we developed a winning team through that approach. And then once you start to find out what works for you, you stick with it because mm. you're only going to be judged on your philosophy you and not everyone else's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we started winning things and then it evolved and I ended up sponsoring my own team and coaching for free. Okay, nice. And, and, uh, and then because of that, I won coach of the year 2014 and the women, were, like that woman's team was so good. They got put on the map at that point where they were a serious team. Amazing. All of those girls were like um, so talented, but also really like together. Mm -hmm. and, and you had um, um, Egyptian, Jamaican, Japanese, uh, Lebanese. You had Literally English. A mix. Yeah, Pakistani. Yeah. You had everything together in that melting pot which also was a reflection of the UAE at that time. Because it is very multicultural. Yes. Yeah, a lot of expats. Yeah, so I used that for, for coaching and yeah, then yeah. eventually um, the national team recruited me after that. You should do a podcast called Growing Up UAE-ish. <laughs> I like your one more. <laughs> there's a lot of expats, isn't it? They, they yeah, kind of yeah. feel like they're there, they belong, but they don't belong because they're foreign, yeah. they're not nationals. <laughs> I don't know. UAE-ish. Ish. Emirati-ish. <laughs> All right, so your your wife's a footballer, yeah. you're into football, your your mother's a fan. Yeah. How much does that make your life like a blessing and a half? <laughs> yeah. You, is that not, not a very unique position to be in? It's, it's very unique, but it's also, 
trying to enjoy the other things as well beyond football yeah okay yeah so with, with maria she she's captain of the pakistan national team mm. so she's going through things that you know when you're involved in international football you you go through but you learn on the road mm. you don't learn from a textbook or even a course mm, mm, mm. because there's certain things that you come across um that again i didn't have the answers for mm. until i fell in it and I, until i was in involved in um in africa then I, i came across a few things that i thought wow okay so this is how it feels like so for someone who grew up in the uk is living in the uae working in senegal for example at that time it's like yeah, um yeah. you're thinking wow all right and then the the guys you're coaching they're from ghana and they are playing for their lives because they want the big contracts mm. and they're on the 20s this is a big big deal for them yeah and the african mm. nations cup is a big deal so for them you're not just coaching them you're looking out for them and they've got a lot of people and attention around them that is probably swaying them the wrong way okay. what deals to take what decisions to make how to evolve how to be the person they want you to be rather than the person that you should be you, yeah, yeah, yeah so with all these guys at that time i only learned that on the road so now when maria's talking to me and she's saying you know we're going through this and you know what do you think i should do i said well how do you feel mm as a first thing cuz i can't tell her what to do yeah yeah She's then you have to go back to person. being a husband as opposed to like exactly. football mode exactly. business mode yes. yeah, 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 yeah how do you feel good okay so do you think do you think you can sort this out or do you think this is for someone else mm. right then she answers so she's got all the answers yeah 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 it's only when she has to kind of like um coach her through it or prompt like another word probe her through it yeah and it's only mm. when i see something that oh i made that mistake mm, so mm, i'll go mm. listen I wouldn't advise that but if you do go that route this might happen. Mm. Now the other thing is to make sure she feels that it's not I told you so moment if it does mm. it's just the fact that this is what happened to me and I made a stupid mistake with this Maria and you can't be doing this so if you decide to do this these are the things that could be the result so of it. So be mindful of it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And that is the key word so mindful that this might happen and in her mind she's thinking oh no i remember when you you had to go to yeah, her she, she remembers how that looked yeah. like yeah so then she she will make her own decision and mm. then we'll we'll get through it together yeah. but it will be her her step first then my step second That's rather nice. than my step first and then her step second That's amazing that the fact, the fact that you were able to build that dialogue with her and the mindfulness of how you speak because i think it must be hard that you're both in the same industry and you live together and your men obviously you're, you're romantic together but then you're having to have all these conversations it's like how do you to separate your boundaries yeah. so you can actually because i guess it can also hinder your relationship if you're constantly on on football mode and then there's like passions there mm. because there's a lot of pressure do you know what i mean as opposed to like it's not competitive amongst each other but just do you know what i mean yeah it's also because i had this thing back in the day when i was coaching her I had this thing where I used to say why can't you play with guys how are you going to improve mm. so afterwards that kind of got me into it a bit because then when she's like are you playing and I'm like yeah I'm playing with the boys on Friday all right cool can I play <laughs> I'd be like that's my only day off but yeah okay cool you can come and play so then she would come and join us yeah and because they know she's my wife and that there's respect there but at the same time 
I then don't want you to take it easy because she's coming to improve. She ain't coming to mm. to for you guys to take it easy on her. Yeah. And then as soon as she does come on the pitch, everyone's like, oh, the captain of Pakistan, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, she's she's physical. She, you know, she That's runs, it. she sprints, she does everything. Amazing. So I'm like, good. But we communicate through the way that she would look at me as if I was coaching. Okay. So when I was coaching, for example, I wouldn't have to shout or say, you need to be there or you need to do this. I would just be looking at her and and then looking away as and you should have taken a step back. And then she'd kind of, we kind of build that dialogue mm-hmm. through the way we look at each other. So now when we're playing, it's the same thing. But I, I say to her, listen, I'm not here to coach now. I just want to enjoy it. And mm. I only play once a week. I coach three times a week yeah, yeah, the, yeah. in the men's league now. And I don't want to be coaching on my day off. I just want to enjoy it. This okay. is, this is my, me time. This is me time. But I was going to say, so you kind of mentioned something very quickly in that statement. You said, oh, but this is my only day off. Yes. So what's your escapism that's, that allows you to not be a father, not be a wife, uh, not be a wife, you know, not be a, fa- not a father, sorry, not to be a son, yeah. not to be a husband. What is it you do for you that allows you to just be Omar? Um, the way that I, the way that I reset is away from everyone. Mm-hmm. So my environment, my space, breath work, I do quite a bit. I used to do quite a lot of um, things like ice baths and stuff. I saw. Yeah. I saw. I have it actually written here. Ice, ice, bu- ice, or other ice baths. Yeah. Question mark, question mark. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, I, there was a lot of things that I was kind of finding mm. um, myself doing, which was my, my time mm-hmm. and doing things where even when I was exhausted after work, coming back at like what 11 or whatever it was I would then take two hours to myself and and that would I would because I know Maria would be asleep I know my mom would be asleep yeah I need those two hours um psychologically for me and yeah. that's where whether it was music whether it was um just doing something where whether it was fee- playing FIFA or whatever it was yeah, it yeah. was just my time yeah, and, it's, it's and, like a selfish moment for you. Yeah. Yeah. And rather than doing the 5 a.m. club, I'll probably do the midnight club where I'd have two hours from that point. If I, even if I'm listening to radio, like UK radio, I'd be <laughs> listening to out there. I would, I would. And I, and a little home vibe. Yeah. And those commentators or those people that were talking about it, I would almost say this is just my my grounding to what's happening back home. And I would spend those two hours just doing my own thing. And I would make sure scheduling is massive for me. Mm. And and even color psychology is another one. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Without yeah. going into too, too much detail, what is that? Yeah. So, so color stimulates the brain in, in many ways, whether it's through clothing, sight, vision, mm-hmm. certain things. And when I schedule, I schedule in colors. So... Um, green is work, like PT, if I'm doing one-on-one clients or, or if I'm doing coaching. Um, blue is radio. Uh, pink is my time. Mm. And then if it's white, then that's space for me to slot things in without having pressurized to do something. Okay, nice. So I'd have that. Um, and commentating would be purple, because I, I commentate out there. So commentate would be purple. Um, Orange is, is um, the team I coach. Mm-mm. So after like on, on my show, I interviewed a color psychologist once and she was saying to me, she's like, so predominantly what colors do I said? Black. 
And she was like, serious? I said, yeah. And I was not, I said, black. Black top, black shorts. Black. That's me. I live black on black on black. That's it. It's my uniform. Pretty much that's my life <laughs> uniform. Yeah. Before I met her, right? And then yeah. I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, there's a lot of things that do stimulate the brain. And, mm. and I looked into it a bit and listened to plenty of different um, books and audios and podcasts and stuff. And then I started to implement that in my own thing. Don't get it twisted. Still, when I'm training, I'm still wearing black t-shirt, black shorts, it's but then I'll rock it. the socks. Yeah, it's a bright color. Like, it's like a block color at the bottom. Yes, angles. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's something that I do. But yeah, through all these things, I think you, you pick up. This is one of the best things about doing what you do, doing what I do, mm. is you get to interview people, you get to learn from people. When they say something, sometimes a light bulb goes off. And yeah, yeah, yeah. for me, that was my light bulb moment where I was like, okay, now how do I implement that in my own life? And, and do it quietly, like without preaching about it, because I need to know if it works first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before you go, guys, look yeah. what I learned yeah. today. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> yeah. jump on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So no, once like, I got that, then I was like, all right, this is this this works. Okay. Um, so how's married life going for you, sir? How long have you been married for now? Three years. That's it. Three years in a week. And a week? So I, that's in a it. week. In a week? Yeah. I'll, oh, so what you got planned? Well, she's not in the country. Oh. Yeah, she's on national, she's on national team duty. Okay, what now, does that mean? I'm so sorry. That means that she's that. playing for her uh, national team. Nice. And they, they're on camp for like a month. So before I came to the UK, she was away for a month. Then they, then she goes to Saudi and she's actually going to be playing Saudi uh, in Saudi in um, end of Jan or mid Jan, sorry. Okay, so you won't get to be seeing much of her. No, nah, I won't. I won't are you, you going to pull up? Yeah, to... yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, well, if it was a surprise, you ruined it now. But yeah, no, no, it won't be. <laughs> no. it, it won't be. This won't be out for another couple of weeks. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, no, no. I will. Be, I will be. Yeah, I will be there. <laughs> and she and she. Yeah, she's she's too big because she knows. Act surprised. Yeah, yeah. Maria. <laughs> she. Um, <laughs> She would actually say, "Are you coming?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. before anything, because she'd want me to be there. And I, and I, nice. I think also when you when you reach that level in your marriage, you don't want to surprise because I might throw her off. Yeah, and I want her on her on her A game. So if she's going to be on her A game, she knows I'm going to be there. Then that weight is off her shoulders, mm, and I can mm, kind of mm. just I can kind of just be there, support her from the the sideline, and just let her do her thing. That's amazing, and it's it's true because when you're anticipating someone, it almost like there's a level of comfort and warmth. Also, knowing that that person's going to be there, that yeah. important person's going to be there, as opposed to surprise. It's just like I'd rather know that you're coming, and I'm anticipating it, and I'm excited rather yeah. than he might surprise me, but I don't know if he's actually going to come. If he doesn't come, I'll be disappointed. Yeah. So, yeah. and then if cool. he comes and I didn't think he was coming, then oh, I'll, I need to play well now that he's here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. Um, just very quickly, like growing up, obviously your your mum and dad splitting when you were sixteen. Mm. Um, did that ever change, or how did it really? Actually, let me ask that again. How did it shape how you viewed, I guess, love and marriage? I think so. Before I got married, I had a I had an idea of what marriage is in terms of it has to be perfect, and your partner has to be perfect, and we had, we built this this stimuli of like perfection but the truth is is that you only aspire to have that when you have a partner not before you have a partner so you never actually marry the perfect partner you only get into it while you start to evolve together and develop together through things you experience in a collaborative process mm -hmm. so for me that was why it maybe took late compared to what our culture tells us to get married quite early yalla, 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 exactly right <laughs> i took my time yeah and so that's why it's only it's only been three years it's my first 
my first wife and my only wife. So sure. um, for, for me, that was a thing. And, and the other thing is you want, there's then more pressure to be the perfect husband, the perfect mm. dad, that because you didn't, ha- you don't have the blueprint. Mm. And normally we have a blueprint of what is expected through our parents' mm-hmm. actions. Mm-hmm. And so without that, you then start to think, okay, well, this didn't work for me growing up. This did work for me. I'm going to use that. I'm going to bin that. Yeah. And I have That's to be important. this. That's yeah, important. Yeah, yeah. So it, it definitely gave me a different a different um, idea of what I should be like. And I think that probably also affected my mental health in the sense of, oh, I can't let them down now. Mm. Either of them. Before it was just one woman and that was my mom. And then now it's your mom and your wife. So you have to now like really pick it up now. If you thought you know, you were on your A game with one woman, you got two women to look after now. Exactly, and, and they all are very different relationships and they're very different expectations yes. as well. Yes, That's hard. And I think also, because I think, because your bond of your mother, it's like, you want to make sure you don't compromise on what you have while also trying yeah. to fill someone else's cup. Correct. So that's quite exhausting for you. Very. How do you, how, <laughs> how do you, how do you cope with the realities of like, trying to do that balancing act? I think it's because I'm grateful to have both. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than, oh, you know, this this can be mentally straining. Mm-hmm. Um, they they both require attention and they both require um, support. Mm. But I also, what I admire about Maria, she's doing her own thing as well, whilst my mom's retired now. So there has to be that kind of divide between both, like giving both of them time, making sure they both feel like I'm there. Mm-hmm but not at the compromise of my own mental health. Good. And that's something that I've made very clear to both of them recently. When did you come to that realization that your your mental health has to be something that you put forward? COVID. Really? Yeah, it took that long. Okay. So we were only married a year and then COVID hit. Mm. And then we were all that's locked. A big, that's a big test. Yeah, then we're all locked in. Mm. Thankfully, where we are or where we live, it's a bit spacious. So. We weren't on top of each other, but we were still around each other. And, I th- and and especially that we all come from different backgrounds. My mom grew up in Egypt, even though she's not Egyptian. I heard the accent. Yeah. I'm like, I saw she's not Egyptian. Yeah. Wait, hold on. What's that? Everyone, everyone does think she's Egyptian. So Mm-mm-mm. my mom grew up in Egypt. Um, is she originally Iraqi? No, my mom's Saudi. Okay. Yeah, my mom is Saudi, fully Saudi. Okay. Um, Maria is originally Pakistani but she grew up in Denver, Colorado. Okay. Yeah. And then I'm Iraqi, but I grew up here. Mm. So you now you mix all those together and everyone has their way of how they grew up. What and they their expect, habits. And yeah. their habits. Yeah, yeah. And what they need to do and what they think you need to do. Mm. But you only learn that when you are on the road kind of 100 percent. it's, it's you know. until you're physically living it that's when it's the trial and error mm. situation um what was the hardest part during covid like where's the part where you realize okay cool like i can see that my like um my mental health is being compromised or my patience is running like wearing really thin were you able to like identify it yeah i think um probably through like breakdown and communication misunderstandings things that sometimes even when you have the right intention and it's not going your way mm. I think that's even harder because if you don't have the right intention and it's not going your way then you can say well I, I came into this with the wrong intention mm. but when you're intent to to do well or 
or do what's best for your partner or for your parent or whatever and they're not seeing that you then question yourself and then go all right now you being a coach and you can't even look after your own people you're hurting yourself aren't you oh yeah that's a very that's a very negative way of wording it because sometimes i i so i've been guilty of like having the best of intentions mm. like my heart alhamdulillah like it's very pure um but maybe how i communicate at times might not come across that way and i'll be like but i didn't mean it that way they're like but this is how we received it the delivery yeah right and i had to work on my delivery mm. i didn't realize it i thought i was it's fine because people know me right you know who i am but mm. then i realized actually my delivery isn't for everyone yeah so i had to like really take a look at myself i think what do i need to change about myself in order for me to be received but i mean i guess yeah to an extent screw what people think like you're never going to please everyone yeah but then there's also a level of care that you have to take and mindfulness when it comes to delivering to people that you love the most because like not bending over backwards for them but it's just that mindful part can can go a distance to me mm. and i think i learned that as well because i used to clash um with people and i realized is it really worth it like even though i'm like, I'm like I f what i realize is i'm over explaining myself trying to explain my intention they're over explaining why they didn't get it and it's just like but this is not productive yeah so i just had to like take a good reflection on myself um what's the most reflective moment that you've had for yourself where you, you had to like really take a good look in the mirror in general yeah um I think maybe after my car accident. Okay. I had Tell a, us about I had that. a, I had a, a life-threatening car accident uh, on my way to coaching. Um, I don't remember much of the, the incident. I only know the images of what I saw afterwards in terms of the cars and the way they hit. Mm. And it was, th it was three cars. It was going to Elaine and it was Ramadan time and I was on my way to coaching and the scenes of... I can show you that after. I'm just getting goosebumps. The scenes I can um, of the cars was just horrendous. And mm. when I woke up with both airbags blown up, and the car still moving, oh wow! And me like going onto the side. The first thing I was thinking was what just happened, and did anyone die? Mm. And so stopping the car, getting out of the car, looking across, and then seeing another car. Um, which I'd, I'd gone underneath it. So I'd driven underneath it and lifted it. Mm. And you can see from the way the car was that, and I was thinking, how did I? Were you speeding? No. So it was just someone just did switch lanes about really letting um, someone else know? I, I, was, I was on medication at that time. Okay. Um, I'm recovering. Mm. So, so that could have had, had something to do with it, but that road, um, in in Arabic, in, in, in translating English, was called the road of death. Oh wow! So and I had no idea. Okay. And the police actually told me, "Do you know what this road is called?" And I said, "What?" He goes, "Shara al Mot." And I was like, "Oh, literally Shara al Mot." And I was like, "Why would you? Why would, firstly, why would you say that? And secondly, I was thinking, is that the first thing you tell someone that's just been in a car? And the four other guys, I looked at them and they were fine. I thought, great. But then in the report, there was a third car because my car was hit from the side as well. Mm. So maybe, maybe that would have hit me a little bit and I would have gone underneath Shifted that car, another car yeah. and that car would have gone off and then the, everything blew up in my face. Mm, 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 mm. And I'm lucky that the engine was not at the front because I would have been dead. Police, policeman confirmed that. The engine was in the middle. 
Okay. And I'd gone underneath the car, so that yeah. would have just gone in pieces. But I think that was, for me, one of the moments where a lot came into perspective. And I've had moments like that. Mm, it's humbling in, in a way. Yeah. yeah. I've had moments like that where I thought, God, I'm lucky to be alive, you know, that this is... And then I thought, where's my dad? Where's this person? I haven't spoken to that person. I need to bridge this gap. I need to... Why? Because life's too short. Closures. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Mm. And did you get to speak to your pops? He came down. Nice. So I hadn't seen him for, I think, 11 years prior to going to the UAE. And then he'd come down. He drove down because he lives in Abu Dhabi. Oh, no way. Yeah, he lives in the UAE. Okay. So he drove down to a lane... And at that point, like what you say, you don't you don't know what to say. I think he's left you when you were a teenager. You're a man now. He's in front of you. You're just glad he's alive. He's glad you're alive. And you, you just, you don't know what to say. How, how was he receiving you after 11 years? Because obviously he's looking at a whole grown man now. Like he can't give you any like solid words of wisdom or because you've now evolved. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I think he can always give. I think, think your dad so? can always give you wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and I think he's also looking at himself. Mm. So if I was naughty, that's coming from you. If I if I made mistake, that's coming from you. If I was charming, that's coming from you. So there's the pluses, the negatives, there's everything. It's just the whole package, isn't it's just it? The it's whole what package. it is, and it comes it comes from him. But yeah, it was it was nice to see him. I'm glad that he was right, and f- the team that I was coaching only realize the magnitude of what just happened when I introduced them to him because he'd come to see me at the hotel because I was on my way to coach because I coached that night mm. after the accident you still went ahead and coach. I had a game <laughs> business as usual I had a game yeah I had a game so I coached and people that were that came on the pitch were looking at me and they thought we just saw your car totaled mm. And I didn't want to make eye contact with anyone. Were you in survival want... mode still? You yeah. Think, like some adrenaline was still pumping through you. Yeah, I just, I, I was, I was just avoiding eye contact. Mm. I just didn't want anyone to come up to me. Mm. I wanted to finish the the game and get off the pitch. We won one nil. Well great. done. Well done. Had to be done. But <laughs> as soon as I was done, I was walking off, and I remember the technical director, the head of the the EFA, he came up to me. He goes, "Are you all right?" I said, "Yeah, yeah I'm good. I'm good." You just have an accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, this guy's on some like, Yeah, he like. is on something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And he's yeah, like, yeah. I, I, have you been to see a doctor? No, no, I haven't, haven't. I will, I will, I will. Okay. Let us know if you need anything, yeah? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm good, I'm good. And just carrying on walking, just walking past. And then, and I was thinking, God, then the next day my dad came and saw me. Mm. I messaged him that night. Because I was quiet for a good couple of hours. Yeah, because that's your, that's your brain and body trying yeah. to like... I guess just get the head around it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was concussed. The seatbelt left its mark all over me. Mm. Like I was bruised exactly where the seatbelt was into my hip, across my chest. Um, and I just didn't want to see anyone. I just wanted to be alone, I think. Mm. And then he came next day. And then when I introduced him to the players, again, I wanted to, it's weird. I wanted to, to not run, but just get out of shot again and just go away. Okay. And, I got quite emotional that day, I remember, and, and Maria was there and she said, wow, she's like, that is, I've never seen you cry before. I said, well, that, that's my dad. 
Mm. And then that was that. But yeah, that, that was one of that was one of the. But I think that's probably what you needed as well, just to release everything that you're feeling because yeah. obviously, obviously, like you're withdrawing from people. Yeah. Um, I want to get onto your book. Um, just how much time do you have left, Aladdin? Thank you very much, Aladdin. um so you know i like to i like to speak about reflection growth Mm. um evolving and you've done this book is it 2020 that you you released this uh 2019 november yeah um and you've got your face in the back sorry (laughs) that's that's really cheesy i shouldn't have done that (laughs) so um it's about reinventing yourself right yeah can you talk me through reset um, and what made you write this book? Uh, reset is um, 20 years of work. Okay. Um, you talk about reflection, you talk about resetting. It's a lot of the mistakes that I made to stop and prevent other people from making the same mistakes. Okay. Uh, it's all about longevity, sustainability. It's got a domino system. There's five dominoes. Each domino is a pillar that even if you have four dominoes that are great, and a lot of us do have some fantastic things we, we do well, the one domino, which is the red domino, is the one that can affect the chain reaction. Okay. And so whether it is nutrition, which mm-hmm. is one that a lot of people talk about, whether it's the physical part, mm-hmm. whether it's the mental part, mm-hmm. whether it's recovery, or whether it's resetting your environment, okay. you're in charge of what you do. Agreed. And you can control all those things through not one answer mm. and not one way. Mm. So the book isn't, just telling you what to do it's giving you the tools for you to find yourself in your reset journey Mm -mm -mm. and that's why it's been called the health and fitness passport because it helps you on your journey and not tell you which journey to take would it would this book be predominantly targeting people who are into fitness or can it apply to every single auntie uncle niece nephew every single person because if it was just for fitness enthusiasts then it would be a much thicker dense book Mm. The hardest thing about this book is simplifying it and making it readable for everyone. Yeah. Because even when people read it, they've gone, I got through it in a couple of days and it was quite light. And I said, yeah, that that was the hardest thing was making it like a conversation and to summarize it. And my publisher, when I released it before COVID said, you're rubbish at marketing. You need to use your platforms, get on the radio, talk about it, do this. And then last year, it was a bestseller at Amazon. Sick. And he called me (laughs) and munched that humble pie. (laughs) Because he said to me, can you imagine if you were a bit more aggressive in your approach, Mm. how many more sales you would have done? And I said, the the point of this this reset book Mm. was to be able to simplify something so people can read it. Yeah, I read some of your reviews and people were like very grateful to how you summarized it and how mm. easy it was to digest. And considering how many years of experience and, you know, everything you're, you're putting into one book for you to be able to do it so beautifully. And I'm actually looking forward to reading it. Thank you. It and took I, me four I, times to write it. Seriously? Yeah, I rewrote it four times. I wasn't happy with it. Why? Because I was like... Perfectionist in you. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> it needs to come out a certain way. It needs to come out a certain way. And then I was like, but I forgot this, but I forgot that. And then I thought, listen... You need to 
make it as simple as possible. Don't complicate the situation. Don't complicate it. Yeah, because for some people, they can be overwhelmed. If it's a very complicated read, Yeah, they then feel like they're not intelligent enough to read it. Because this is going way above their head. Or if you get too heavy into something and it's like, the more simpler it is, literally, it's, it just means everyone can take in something. Mm. Um, are you planning to write another book? No. <laughs> that was a serious, no. quick, solid quick. no. Done it once, not doing it again. That, that, stress and I and I said no. It's not even the stress. It's it's. I said I'm gonna put everything into this one book, mm. and I'm gonna do everything that I can. I, and as overwhelming as the feedback was, and and how nice people were, and saying, "Oh my, like my favorite domino was this one," it, or the way you expressed mental fitness through mental health was mm. was brilliant. That was my favorite domino. Mm. Would you mind elaborating? And that when they said stuff like that, then that makes me feel like I would just want to give back more. But I was like, I can't, nah. I said, it's one and done. You might have done this already, but have you thought about doing like a, a podcast segment around this and actually having like almost like Q and A's? Because obviously people ask you sub questions, right? Or yeah. they have, and then from there you can just elaborate on each domino and. That's a great point. Um, in lockdown, my show that one month for some reason on radio was cancelled okay and it was the one show that highlighted mental health at the time and okay. they they just hadn't thought it through at the time and they made a decision which was fine but then what i did is i did a reset podcast at the time sick okay and it was just, it Amazing. Was just that in that time good yeah, and yeah. i brought on people that probably wouldn't be allowed to be on my show on radio because mm. it's government normally so i brought like a an artist called abri who's like super talented i brought the the voice of Emirates, she's the one that does all the um, the Emirates Airlines. Yeah, yeah. I brought her Sick. on. She was great. <laughs> um, I brought on, well, now he's a big deal now. Um, this massive celebrity in, in the UAE who's a radio presenter called Chris Fade. I brought him yeah, on yeah. as well. And I could never bring them on on my show on radio because obviously the approvals, etc. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I did it through that. And the main question which I'm going to ask you. Mm, oh, gosh. Yeah, no, before we have before you wrap up. <laughs> uh is is how do you reset? Mm. Do you know what? It's weird and it sounds a bit preachy, but firstly gym was my reset button. Um but my reset as well for me it sounds weird but on on an emotional level and a mental well-being level, I've started to use prayers for that. Nice. Like I like I understand why praying five times a day has a purpose. Because sometimes when you're ready to jab someone in the throat, you pray, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, "I'm cool. Yeah. I'm alright now." Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm still working on that. I think I wanted to actually ask you a question. I'm I'm not I'm not avoiding the answer. I just okay. don't know what else to say. Um, what's the difference between reinventing yourself and evolving and growing? Cause I feel like reinventing is like you're kind of reshaping completely. Mm-hmm. But just so I can get more clarity, what you when it comes to your perception of reinvention versus evolving, I think I think evolution is part of reinvention. Okay, I think um, because reinvention is you already have a base there, mm. and you add to that through experience, through evolving, through um, through certain things that you couldn't learn in a book, for example, through through personal experiences, through life's lessons, etc. But there, there's no right or wrong in that. I always like to think and this is why whenever I talk about reset and I say people are scared to change but people when you tell them how much they have that's good they can 
evolve on that and add to it. Mm. So all it requests is a reset button. Yeah. If you press that reset button, you're just gonna clear out the cache or the the data or the stuff that's that shouldn't be there. Yeah, yeah. And you go back to your fundamentals. Yeah. And you start to evolve. So like what you just said now in terms of prayer and spirituality. So I'm I'm big on that. Mm. And I love that because for me, that is also a form of reset. Mm. And it comes through certain things where, again, you can be vulnerable to what you believe in. And yeah. nothing's going to take advantage of that because that's what you believe in. Yeah, yeah, it's your own spaces or your safe yes. space. Yes. Yeah. So with evolution and and reinventing yourself... When you're reinventing yourself, you're in that situation where you're thinking that, oh, I need to work on things. So you already made the first step in acknowledging that, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're that's the hardest part because a lot of people normally, they're in denial before they reset. Yeah. And it requires also, something, you know? I think people also have this thing of like imposter syndrome where yeah. like the minute they feel like they're doing well, they almost retract themselves and think, well, I'm not deserving of it or they start self-doubting themselves. Um, what advice would you give someone who kind of, I don't know if I don't know if you speak a lot about imposter syndrome, but what would you advise someone who does go through it and how to sort of coach themselves out of it? I think I think uh, learning how to disconnect mm. and learning how to digest and what you digest mm. is super important because disconnection is disconnecting from things that are irrelevant in your path. Mm. Digesting is being able to digest something that you feel is part of your palate your nutrition your brain mm, mm, mm. you know um i interviewed the brain coach jim quick and he said something he said we all know what to do but we don't always do what we know okay and that light bulb destroyed that room when he said that to me because <laughs> i said wow because we coach and we tell people everything and we give the best advice but when it comes to us it's almost like do as i say not as i do yeah and we don't we don't practice what we preach ourselves yes basically yes so for me it's that hard. was that was super key in 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 that movement yeah yeah because yeah. Like, i can tell someone to like you know believe in yourself da, 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 like whatever forget what everyone thinks but then when it comes to myself it's like but i'm not preaching the same things to me i'm going no i'm doing the opposite yeah so I, I feel like a fraud at times because i'm just here like pushing this narrative for people but then I can't hold the same energy for myself. And it's just like... Fraud's harsh though. Uh, kind of. Like you just feel like, am I being genuine or am I being disingenuine to myself? Because I'm not, I'm giving people this like motivation and, you know, remember your self-worth and this, this that. But then I'm like at home, I'm like, okay, the self-doubt's crept in. Crept in. I'm like contemplating whether I'm good enough for something but I'm not, do you know what I mean? Like I'm not holding mm. the same energy for myself and the same light that I hold for other people. So it's just like, it makes me feel like, hmm, I don't know how to, to word it. Here's a question for you. Oh, God. Spray your horse coming at me, sorry. <laughs> so I like this. Yeah. So you said that when when you wanted to reset, you'd go to the gym. Mm. But when you want to reset your mind, where'd you go? To God. The prayers, literally. Does that it. help? Yeah, I mean, it helps humble my thoughts. It helps, yeah. Or like having a conversation with my husband. Nice. Like being able to just speak. I say, listen, I'm venting. I don't know if I need you to reply or not or like solve the situation or just say it back like therapy kind of thing. Mm. Um, so I find that when I speak to him, he starts rewording it back as a therapist would. And I'd be like, all right, cool, safe. Thank you for the answer. Mm. And it's just like, I needed to say it out loud in order for me to sound stupid about how i how i feel um and then maybe like 
reevaluate how I should see things and mm. how I should view and react to things. Um, don't know if that answers the question, but that's... it does. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, we're running out of time. We're running out of time completely. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, you mentioned something very quickly about the your. I don't know if this was the, the biggest dip that you had, but you said when you were out doing the World Cup, you're on this high, and then you came back home. And um, this is when we spoke through the DMs. Mm. Um, and <laughs> sorry, I, I can't be serious. Um, and then when you came back home, it kind of reality sort of sunk in. Can you speak to me about that and sort of, I guess, the layers of emotions and feelings that you went through? Yeah, I was going through. Um, I was going through a bit of a court case in the okay. UAE before I went out to the African Nations Cup of Ghana but no okay. one knew that so that was the first thing I was going through mm. and then in order to leave the country I had to replace my passport with someone else's passport to be able to leave the country because okay. it was some it was it was a mess that I got myself into and now who who's going to trust you enough with mm. that and I said to it was actually my barber <laughs> Sickest your people, man. Sickest <laughs> people, barbers, I swear. <laughs> I said to him, listen, this is a situation I'm in, I'm going through a lot at the moment, but I had this opportunity to go to the African Nations Cup with Ghana, under 20s. I'm never going to get this chance again. Because I won coach of the year, they scouted me, they put me on a map, an agent reached out to me and said, you have a chance to do this, it's going to be massive. Mm. I said, where do I have to go? He said, Senegal. I said, when? He said, last week. you got to go <laughs> now. <laughs> so and then I'm thinking, I need to get my passport but my passport's with the court, so how do I get that? I have to put someone else's down to release that. And obviously no one's gonna put their passport down unless they trust you. So I told my barber and he said, okay, fine. And he did that. Well, actually it was funny. He, he said, oh, you need my passport? Said, he goes, you need a passport? And I said, yeah, he goes, Bilal will give you a passport, the barber next to him. Right, and I was like, straight well, I nominated. Thought get, I thought you were gonna get, he's like, no, I, I can't because I'm going through a visa process, but don't worry, but I'll give you his. So he, he put his down Come. and I went, yeah, it was, it was it's one of those things. But you had best chat at the barbershop. But anyway, it I went led down. led to passports. Yeah, 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 I went down, went to Africa. We, we, we got bronze. It's a great experience. Amazing. And then I came back um, and there was a lot of things in the media at that time, which was really nice. But with everything I was going through, they didn't really know what I was going through. And then I got called up to the World Cup under 20s with Ghana, went to New Zealand, again, passport back, this, that, then came back and then we beat Argentina 3-2 and there's this moment where FIFA, um, the cameras went to the bench and I must have been like running out of the dugout to sprint and celebrate and the doctor who I was working with a lot with his players literally just lifted me up and I was I jumped over him and, and and my cousin screenshotted that and said look how happy you look with everything that I was going through in the mm. UAE he said look how happy you look I said oh like it's just an incredible moment and then we finished the World Cup came back to the UAE and then I'm like what do I do now mm. you know when you reach that high and every kid's dream to be at a World Cup and I'm there as a coach and then it's like phew, right back down Plummeted. yeah didn't know what to do didn't know what to do myself um i wasn't with my wife at the time uh, i wasn't married so i'm like what do i do now mm -mm -mm. And it, it really like was it in a case of just like filling your time or just having going from like this hectic environment to just being alone i think just fe feeling wanted like the players were so grateful towards me and they made me feel great, mm. even though I was coaching them. 
as I was looking after all their conditioning, their strength work, um, the tech, the technical side of health and fitness, and I spent time with the assistant manager. And we spent a lot of time to then no longer having 24 people report to you about how they're feeling, what they're doing. So you like feeling purposeful? Yeah, I, w- I was feeling that. And then I mm. came back to the UAE and the media loved it. They were like, UAE. Spe- they labeled me as a UAE specialist <laughs> after all the crap I've been through. I'll take that. Yeah, <laughs> but I was like, I was like, I just don't know where to go from here. Mm. And then I went into coaching kids again because yeah. I think that I found I found a good space with kids. And I mean, I've always loved teaching kids and coaching kids. But I think from that point, purpose. Yeah, I think just finding. Yeah, yeah, I think teaching kids probably something else completely different as well. Mm. Just on a nice, small, fulfilling role. Yeah. Um, what would you say? Would you say that was your biggest success in regards to doing the World Cup? Yes, I think so. What's been your lowest point in life? Um, the court case. Um, doing time. You did time. Mm. Don't lie. Mm. You get that one low. I mean, you don't brag about you it. Do don't you don't really brag about it. Do you? I, I mean, was, unless you're a rapper. You put, <laughs> an album, put an album out. Call it reset. That's it. Yeah. No. No. Okay. No, fine. Um. How long did you do? Um, it wasn't that long. It, it was a very short time, but it was it was long enough for me to realize that I need to change a lot. Yeah, and it must have been harder, mum. Well, mum didn't know for a while. Nah, I kept that away. Does she know now? I mean, if she watches this episode, yeah. I swear to God. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I listen. I said to her, there's things I've I've done that I wasn't proud of, but I think in in this scenario, I was more worried about her her health. Yeah. Because of me. Yeah, and I didn't want to be the reason for that. Yeah, cause I've I've spoken to people who have done time, and it's like there's a lot of shame approaching your parents mm. and, and having to break their hearts. Yeah, and then the first thing a parent would do is like, "What did I do to make you become this person?" Yeah. Or you know, did I not give you enough love? Or did like it, subhanallah, there's a way that a parent will always think it's their fault. Yeah, the same yes. way you carry everyone like on your head and think it's your responsibility, your duty. As a mother who raised you by yeah. herself, she yeah. just goes, well, did I fail? SubhanAllah. But then she knows you as this guy and, and nothing else. And that's yeah. amazing. And Especially if you're if you're wrongfully accused of something and you're proven innocent after you've been through two years of, you know, stress and, and, and hard work and, and thinking you might go back and everything, mm. then you can't take those two years back now. Even though you weren't, even though you weren't guilty, you were innocent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was all these things that I was like questioning and hoping that it would be okay. But mm-hmm. I think my mental health reached such a point that I didn't know whether it was worth it anymore. And I'm that's sorry. like the that's the reality. Yeah. So now I'm. Uh, that's why when it comes to listening to men, women about their mental health, I have all the time. Yeah. Um. Just very briefly. Um male mental health in the UAE what's that narrative like because I think in the UK we're very pro pushing a narrative of mm. safe spaces and you know male mental health ma- male mental health matters um, and there's less shame and stigma around it because obviously there's culture there's faith there's different things that kind of box men into being and, and behaving in a certain manner what does the ambassadors and, and the campaigns look like in the UAE I think it's bright, but I think it's very early days. Yeah, I don't think they're at a stage yet where it's 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 reached like here. Okay, you know, 
they're on the right track. It's just it depends who's in the position mm-hmm. to be the ambassador or who's in the position to listen to the people that need it rather than talk about it. Is there is there a lot of Arab mentality, like the old school Arab mentality of Ye- dismissiveness? Yes, because it's only the UAE has only been around for fifty years. Yeah. yeah. So so, but you're expecting to hear that. But they they are innovative. They do they do want to do things. They have a mm. a happiness center. You know they they're building things, which is mm. which is great. But the idea is to educate the old school folks to at least not be past it. Mm. Because if the new folks are doing it and the old folks are still there, they're going to be like, "This wasn't around where time. Just get on with it." But if you tell them why and you show them the rates and you show them all the seriousness behind suicides and course, and yeah. the percentages, then that could be your kids, that could be your son. Mm. And at that point, then the older folks would get it. But it's only, unfortunately, we think of cure rather than prevention over cure. Hundred percent. And I think also there's some generations of our generation who have inherited their parents' mindset. Yep. I remember I had some guy say, well, any man that commits suicide is a coward or any man that goes for mental health has no man or anyone who... And it's just like, bro, you're part of the problem. Mm. Like, you don't, you're not taking time out. So do you feel like you have a safe space back home? Do you feel like your friends and your, your circle when it comes to male mental health? Yeah, I think because I'm... I don't want to say... Uh, an ambassador but because I'm a huge advocate of mental health out in the UAE I think that's why my space people want to be in that space to talk about it mm. well, because that's a safe space for them but do you allow yourself to be vulnerable around them as well? Yeah, some people some people I do it depends yeah. what space we're talking that you have to kind of it's, it's unfortunate but you have to control it when you're on radio mm. you know because I, I talk about it a lot on my show and I, and I, and I open that channel mm. for a lot where it was the first english speaking show in charger to discuss mental health amazing and when people do talk about it it gives me a sense of pride because i'm saying we need more of that yeah yeah, yeah. and you kind of set the narrative and yeah set, set you the try bar. you try to you know well done be very proud of yourself yeah, thank you um we've run out of time it's great any final bits of words advice when are you guys coming to the uae when you're ready to have us in it. <laughs> um, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. I for appreciate me. you being here and I appreciate you being open and honest. There's so much more I wanted to talk about, but time is pressed. Um, maybe when you're back in the UK in a couple of years' time or so. Summertime. Summertime. All right, say no more. Summertime, part <laughs> two. Um, thank you for wearing pink. My pleasure. Like this working, the color psychology the color psychology is, is happening. <laughs> <laughs> um can you let people know for those who don't know who you are, where they can find you, where they can find your book, um and any projects that you're working on? Uh yeah, so you can find me. I'm I'm active on social media on Instagram mainly, uh at Omar Al Duri and my website is omaralduri.com. dot com. Just that straightforward. Very easy. Cool. And um, any projects still we're going to be doing coming up? I see you did an Adidas campaign recently. Yeah. Pop, pop, pop with the wife. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We we um yeah we're trying to do things with purpose at the moment. Amazing. So we're we're selecting the right things to do to be able to get the message out there and raise awareness on on reset and just being uh, being better. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Guys, you have been listening and watching Growing Up Brits-ish with myself, Mama Hebs. You can catch me on Instagram. I am Hebs of a Z or 
um, on growinguprittish.h, also on Instagram or Mama Hebs on YouTube. Aladdin has been mocking me behind the scenes. Shout out to you. <laughs> you threw me off. Take care, guys. <laughs> Grownish, smartish, British. We are British, apparently. Uh-huh.